Bob Stoops ruined my childhood. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this OU Compliance, I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. Dean farted. <laughs> We're going to record you eating. While I'm eating? <laughs> I'll Want me to get close to the mic so yeah. you can hear me chewing? Yeah, actually, we, we need to get closer to the mic. Someone already complained to me. About, was it my, was it me? It was, in general, this per- particular person didn't say. <clears throat> it was definitely me Saturday night. Oh, well, you know, we were both drunk. Whoa. <laughs> Well, I was drunk enough for you. Actually, I didn't have a sip of alcohol on Saturday. I'm I'm done letting OU dictate how much damage I do to my liver. I'm done with that. It's old Brady. I well, still I'll still get mad and I'll still get I'll throw stuff and See, cr- I think last year's Kansas State loss was a lot more troubling because Kansas State did kind of just flat out beat them. Like this yeah, year Kansas from, like Oklahoma just completely beat themselves. You know, like last year's Kansas State game Compared to this one, it was like the complete opposite. Kansas State had to hang on to win. Like like I've said a handful of times, OU's athleticism like just caught up uh, with Kansas State in the middle part of the game. And then the fourth quarter, it was just like, yeah, they're scoring. And Kansas State is not that good. They're not as talented as OU. And if there had just been one more opportunity for OU on that onside kick, they potentially come out of um, Manhattan you know, going into overtime, perhaps with a win in a game that they had no really – like no business winning it in the first place. And then this year, OU just takes care of business in the first half, but they leave some stuff on the table, and then it ends up Kansas State takes care of business in the end. So Kleiman 2-0 against Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch. Kleiman, one of two coaches since Stoops took over, that is two, started their careers 2-0 against Oklahoma. Who's the other one? Les Miles? Les Miles. Les Miles, yeah. And you you actually talked to him on Monday, didn't you? Yeah, I asked Les about it. I think he didn't understand part of the question, which that's Les right now. Well, he's chewing He's chewing stuff like grass or uh, his tongue because he I coaches mean, at Kansas. He, I just think he's lost it. I mean, he, he lost it a long time ago when he just didn't want to. Let offense. her rip. Yeah, when he didn't want to offense anymore. Like yeah, I've heard some intro. I've actually heard a really good story on less than that national championship game that they lost to Alabama. What's that? That he was so upset with the offense in the first quarter that less basically unplugged the OC and started calling plays himself. And it got worse as the game went on. Well, hell I got upset watching that game. It was boring. God, that Alabama team was so physical. What was that, 2011? That was 2011 because of my question. If OSU goes to the national title that year against LSU, do you think OSU wins? If your answer is yes, I'm going to slap that McDonald's burger out of your sandwich. It's a McChicken, thank you. It's a you. McChicken. You know, you got to get your chicken protein. Uh, They probably would have pushed. They probably would have pushed LSU. OSU didn't know it physicality. Absolutely. That would have been like. Now, to the credit, though, they did go up against a very physical Stanford team and, and a very good quarterback. I mean, they were the number three team. They were the it was like top five matchup, though. I mean, cool. Would Stanford have beaten LSU? LSU got shut out in their own stadium. Yeah, no, I don't know if LSU would have went in there and won. I don't. I mean, they probably would have been like a six and a half point dog, though. I yeah, that'd have been a good. That probably been a good line for that game. Now, with the way Oklahoma State was playing at the end of the year, outside of that Iowa State game. I mean, even for that Iowa State game, they played really good up until the last six, seven minutes of that game. Um, or I guess they did start out slow, uh, you know, with the plane crash and everything the day before. But, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I think at that point in time, you have to remember that the SEC hadn't seen any anything offensively like Oklahoma State. And usually when the SEC did at that time and they lost, they got the SEC struggled against yeah. offenses like that. So just or was it Justin Blackman? Who was it? Was it Dez or it was, Justin? It was Justin Blackman, uh, Brandon Weed. And, and uh, the running backs were really good. Joseph Randall. They also had uh, one other. Uh, Hunter, was it Hunter? Or was he beforehand? He may have been Zach Robinson. Cannot remember. Uh, but I think No, they would have pushed him. That defense was – they created – you want to talk about a defense that could create I mean, some turnovers. Yeah. 
that's exactly what Grinch is looking for. That, that's usually the telltale sign that your defense is overall average, like we talked about with OU's defense today. Usually you'll have a defensive coordinator say, well, we need to create turnovers because he understands, yeah, these guys ain't it. They can't do it for four quarters. Uh, the talent level isn't there. The depth isn't there. So we got to manufacture having a good defense by just getting some guys out there that can ball out. OU's defense is still looking for them. I mean, I was talking to Eddie um, yesterday. That pod went out earlier today. Keegan, before we go any further, why don't you tell all our patrons thank you and let people know about Patreon for, uh, let's say, 22 seconds. You're on the clock. Yeah, no, definitely appreciate it. Definitely came. There was a lot more for the first film review than I thought there was going to be. And... Yeah, it, you know, you can go subscribe to it. Yeah, I've tweeted out multiple times. Brady's tweeted out multiple times. Every Sunday, it's going to be like that. This Sunday, obviously, took a lot longer. There was so much to show, and I think I showed basically everything I possibly could in terms of what happened, why it happened. You know, there was even plays, some of the big plays from Kansas State, I didn't need to show. Like, we've talked about, discussed it enough, and it's not going to be like that. Um, you know, every week there's, uh, you know, all the good plays, all the bad plays, not every single one of those is going to make it because it's sort of explained, explainable itself. But I think I got into the finer details of it, uh, for the Kansas State game, have a pretty good idea of why it happened and why this continues to happen. Uh, if you're Oklahoma and yeah, thank you to all the people that subscribed and yes, uh, have yes. already done that already and go ahead and keep doing it. Yeah. Um, I'll just t tell you this. Um, of course, if you want to do the film review, that's just an extra dollar for the outside of just the post game show. Post game show is four bucks, and then five bucks gets you the post game show in Keegan's film review. And I'll I'll tell you this. You know, on Saturday night, I was not overly critical. I I didn't bury Spencer Rattler. I I didn't doom him. I kind of laughed at the Landry Jones takes. Um, he he is on turnover watch notice. I guess you could say with me. But watching your film or reading your film review. Gave me a little bit more confidence that, yeah, he'll be fine. It's mm -hmm. going to really come down to the offensive line. And if he continues to struggle with turnovers, you'll probably still keep pointing to the fact that, well, the, the line hasn't settled down yet and mm -hmm. given him a clean pocket. But then the, the fear is, Keegan, if the line doesn't settle down and OU's able to eke out a win in Ames and then they go to the Cotton Bowl and lose to Texas and they're 2-2 two and two and really just 1-2 and two if you don't want to count Missouri State – that's where you can get into kind of the David Carr um, situation sure. where you have a very talented quarterback who can get the job done, but he's just scared. And not because he is a guy who lacks confidence. It's because he doesn't know if his offensive line will protect him, give him enough time. So that's the fear. Yeah, and, you know, that first interception, I was able to, you know, shout out to Wave first quick, quickly first. Wow, that there was we bad. Go. Yeah, well, you're, um, you're eating. They, like that first interception – Shout out to Fox's broadcast crew. Every Fox game you see, they give you a great view of every play. That's a big play. Well, people like, give Gus crap. I like Gus. He's exciting for college football. And then Joel is just perfect. Like he is, sure. he is the best at his job. But the camera shots that they give you, like if you go to an ESPN ABC broadcast, like you don't get the same wide pan shots to really show you what happened in a play. They really just focus on the individual play. Like Fox, you I, like that first interception. We wouldn't have known that it was you know Marquise Hayes not sticking on what to the the pass protection what it should have been. Yeah, you know that opened up a that didn't that closed the window that Spencer Rattler had to throw in. They probably score on that drive if oh yeah that doesn't happen. They were marching down the field, and that's the shame is if that otherwise meaningless interception doesn't happen because Kansas State went three and out. So oh you got the ball back, and then they scored their first touchdown. If they score on that opening drive, they're probably too far ahead for Kansas State to come back. And that's, you know, we're, we're still sitting here going, what the hell just happened in that fourth quarter? What ha what the hell happened? Uh, it's the same problems Lee and Riley's had since he's been the head coach of just not being able to put bad average teams away in conference. But OU has a win. And, I mean, that's that's what turnovers can do. Even, sure. even, even ones that on the surface seem meaningless. There will be some editing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, but I do want to, you know, it, the the first interception or the second interception is a major red flag. He made his mind up before the snap, decided he was going to throw that, try to throw a fade route to Marvin Mims. Granted, he still puts it out in front of him. That may have been a touchdown, but when the in the confines of that play, 
Oklahoma's running wide across the, across the middle of the field. He was wide your, open. Your progression is to look that safety off and come back down to Drake Stoops. And he was wide open for a 30, 40-yard gain. And Oklahoma probably scores on that drive, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. So that is a red flag moving forward. We, that has something that has to change. However, we didn't see Spencer do that much on Saturday besides that play. Now, the, the throws at Theo Weiss in the second half – were exceptional in the fact in the before the first you know for in the first half and second half were exceptional taking what the defense has given them get your five to six yards get your first down the throws to Austin Stogner get your first down I noted the play about Charleston Rambo early in the game where he was open on a seam route down the middle of the field where he hit Stogner for that 18 yard first catch. down yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like yeah you move the chains but man Go for the home run there. He's open for sure. And but a lot of people were telling him not to do that. They're trying to tell you know tell him take the what the defense given you. Safety evades that space. He immediately moves his eyes down to Stogner, makes the throw, great first down. But what we what I think you know, and you'll know what I'm talking about. In 2018, Oklahoma ran a play in the OU Texas game. And for anybody that's followed me knows that I've highlighted this play a billion times. If you want to talk about progression of a quarterback. Kyler Murray, they were down the 45-24. Kyler because he's driving down. It's a third down. They have a play very similar to uh, some of the plays that ran on Saturday where they had Lee Morris going across the middle of the field on a white cross. CeeDee Lamb has defense uh, has the focus of the defense. He just runs a hook route or a, runs a hitch route, and Marquise Brown runs a post route. CeeDee Lamb or Marquise Brown's running a post route. There was pocket presence was just fine. Kyler got happy feet, tried to force a throw to Lee Morris, and then Marquise Brown's wide open for a touchdown. But Kyler Murray, the number one pick in the NFL draft, had happy feet because he had gotten hit a couple times. Well, later on in the season, in Bedlam, there was a play where the pocket's sort of even more collapsing than usual. Kyler steps up. Marquise Brown's running a post route. Guess what happens? He yeah. hits him for a touchdown. That's the growth you want to see. Maybe it's not Iowa State. I have a theory on that we need to get into later oh, on. Oh, yes. Um, maybe it's on Iowa State this week. Maybe it's Texas in two weeks. Maybe it's TCU on the road in three weeks. Who knows? Four weeks, right? Bye week after Texas? No, they, I believe they go straight down to Fort Worth. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I can definitely, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But they def, you know, it's, it's, you want to see that growth. I liked a lot, and I know I've said that, I said that to you Saturday night. I liked a lot of what Spencer did because a lot of the complaints after the Missouri State game was that he was looking for the home run, and he didn't do that against Kansas State. Yeah. And, heck, maybe he didn't do it enough um, mm -hmm. against Kansas State. And then the rest of the problems in the second half, yeah, I we, mean, this we, offensive line, man. Yeah, we, um, we'll we get to, like, had one topic later on for the show because we need to get into Lincoln Riley's presser um, about if you could just pick one unit, whether it be linebackers, secondary, wide receivers, whatever, to get better, which one unit would spell success for OU moving forward? Like, we'll get into that in our takes later on. Uh, but that was basically – I gave you 22 seconds to hype up the film review on uh, the Patreon page, and I guess we talked for about eight minutes. But, you know, that's just another reason for you all to subscribe to the Patreon. Keegan did a good job of kind of bringing me back down to earth with all the uh, Spencer Rattler stuff. But I guess one more thing on Rattler against Kansas State. The one play that gives me the most hope for him is that rollout deep in the end zone where he found Theo Howard. 15. Yeah, where he found Theo Howard, just a guy who had been out there for one target prior in that game. It was uh, Spencer basically just threw the ball away. And then on a third down, oh, you absolutely needed it. I think the play before is when uh, Theo Weiss caught the ball. He got his ass knocked you know, right in in the chest, and he dropped it. Just it was a yeah, it was a good hit. He almost caught the thing anyway. Uh, but you know, you're you're watching the game, and Kansas State's defense is humming after that big hit, and they're deep in their own territory. And uh, it seems like the line is starting to give up some momentum. Spencer is looking a little rattled, no pun intended. And then he just simply he just rolls out comfortably, finds uh, probably his second, third option on the play for a, uh, a 15, 20 yard gain. And I'm like, that's that's what gives me hope because that is something that that's a play that Baker or Kyler or even Jalen Hurts would have made. So just uh, Jalen Hurts, if he's able to move in the pocket and trust <laughs> trust downfield, I'm joking. Uh, actually, I, actually, I will, no, you're right because he was because Spencer was rolling right. Yeah, there you go. It would, he I'll die on the. I will die on the hill. Right. I will die on the hill that if Jalen Hurts is OU's quarterback last Saturday, OU would have won. 
They would have for sure won. Yeah, because there have been a handful of plays that Spencer Rattler ate either an incomplete pass, uh, taking a sack, or just a tiny little run mm-hmm. that Jalen would have turned into to like a ten or twelve yard rush. Yeah. So in the short term, that would have worked. <laughs> right. In the long term, you want Spencer Rattler. Like, don't don't get it twisted. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. As you said, I there was Oklahoma was up thirty five twenty eight. And I know this back kind of back to the film review stuff a little bit, but Oklahoma's up 35-28. Kansas State had been bringing the safety in on rundowns, basically from the, out of the picture to come make plays. Kansas State was showing a five-man box. 35-28, Oklahoma backed up against their own goal line. On first down and second down, they didn't run the football. And that was probably my only complaint of what Lincoln Riley did. On Saturday, I know you're struggling to run it, but you did start to get some momentum there on a couple drives late in the second half, and then two straight incompletions, it's third and 10, false start, third and 15, guess what happens? Spencer Rattler bails you out on a big-time third-down pickup. So, they, that's probably my only complaint of Lincoln um, from Saturday, but to the point of the conversation, yeah, I mean, he, Spencer has to take continue to take what the defense is giving him. And then as well as the fact that when the home run is there, the great ones at Oklahoma in the last two years. They've taken it. They've taken it. Yeah. Actually, let's get into – I want to talk about that because, you know, Lincoln Riley's getting some criticism, probably a lot in in terms of just the Kansas State game, not overall. And deservingly so, it was an embarrassing loss. It was up there with 2011 Texas Tech. Um, Lincoln Riley is the head coach. He he's going to get criticism and deservingly so. Uh, but I will say this: just him as a play caller, I think he's phenomenal. I mean, obviously, I mean that's not breaking news, but um, he he does everything that you want. He adjusts to his talent. He has a system, but he will adjust to his talent. He doesn't try to force a square peg into a round hole. If Josh Heupel is OU's offensive coordinator last year, Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball forty-five <laughs> times, and we're all probably still hung over from last season by this point. Uh, so I love that about Lincoln Riley. Just the one the one thing that worries me, he does it once or twice a year, and he did it against Kansas State, is once the pressure starts to mount in the game, if OU hasn't put their opponent away or um, if it's a tight ball game, he, he just goes, he goes Dr. Air Raid, man. And I don't know how much of it was just because Seth McGowan had the most crucial turnover of the day and he lost faith in Seth McGowan. I mean, he is a true freshman. Um, T.J. Pledger is his second guy, and T.J. Pledger, while he showed me some things, he's not your workhorse back. So I wonder if Seth McGowan just doesn't fumble, and let's just say OU goes three and out in that drive instead of fumbling in their, deep in their own end zone and or, or their red zone, and they just punt it away. I wonder if he abandons the run as quickly. But at the same time, there's... A handful of examples like Houston 2016, 2018, Texas Tech and Lubbock that OU eventually pulled away in the fourth quarter with Trey Sermon. But before that, there's so many opportunities for them to run the football and end that game much sooner than it ended up being uh, ended. So that's the thing. But the good thing for Lincoln Riley is it usually only happens at least once a year and it never really happens again. Like the running game kind of comes back strong. Back to that Texas Tech game real quick. People forget how bad Kyler Murray was in that game. Yeah, because uh, Texas Tech and Cliff Kingsbury understood that Kyler has a lot of problems with cover, too. He had a lot of problems it, Sunday in, against Zone Yeah, coverage. exactly. Um, man, those were – did you see those interceptions? Awful. Those were bad. Like, I, I saw the stat line. I didn't get to watch the game. Uh, the Cardinals lose to the Lions, I think, by three. And I see the stat line. I'm like, oh. And I kind of hope – man, I hope there were just drop passes that ended up being picked. And I watched like the highlight reel on YouTube, and I'm like, no, those are all just terrible. Right to the guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, yeah, it, Lincoln, I don't know. I, I think there was a lot that went into it. I think Oklahoma had a lot of success rolling out and finding guys on the outside. I think the offensive line not being able to hold up because on the clip on the last drive or on the second to last drive when Marquise Hayes just basically lets the defensive tackle go right through him and basically force Spencer Rattler to throw the football away. Yep. I think that has a lot to do with it. And then I know we're going to get into it here in a bit. I don't want to 
Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on my offensive line opinions if you want to get okay. into the Lincoln Riley. Yeah, let's today. get into the presser today. I mean, overall, nothing really. It wasn't as exciting as the previous week's presser, um, unless I completely missed that thing. I I had it on. I was doing the dishes, so like nothing really popped out at me. There's nothing really on Twitter that's been super aggregated, other than um, I believe. Speaking of Dean. Who you claim farted in on the Zoom call? But sure, uh, yeah, I yeah. The Jalen Re- Jalen Redman and uh, Lincoln has no update or information whether he's opting in or continued to be yeah, opted out. Yeah, we'll see out. what sources tell Dean for next week. <laughs> what to ask? What is this? The is the second straight week he's brought up a sources comment? S- multiple sauces. If you're Chris Broussard, I mean, like the sources. Oh, the bubble thing. screen is also dead. I found that out today. Okay, good, because I'm tired of seeing Charleston Rambo with the screens running to the boundary when, you know, if you, hey, it's football, you're going to get hit. It, I'd rather you get three yards than no yards. He's been disappointing, very disappointing. Okay, well, because Lincoln Riley's presser wasn't too exciting. I mean, there was a couple things, sorry. There was a couple things I thought that were interesting from it, talking about his mood, first off. Like, the guy looked like he hadn't slept in a couple of days. He made the comment to me that he hadn't slept. Yeah, well. send melatonin, melatonin to the uh, head ball coach, please. But I think he – and the players were made available this week, which is not typical for, like, if you go back to 2018, they were, they were available after OU Texas. But the, after the Army week, there were no players made available. It was they were all dead. <laughs> could have been. Could have been. But players were made available – um, but Lincoln was in this mood and I, I'm, you'll get what I'm saying here. Okay. If you look at the analytics and you, I know you saw the chart that we posted today and Bill Connolly has said kind of the same thing. Like if you look at the, if you just add up the final box score with four turnovers, a turnover on downs and a blocked punt, Oklahoma, in a, if it's always the same again, Oklahoma would have, is expected to win that game by seven points. Kansas State had, according to Bill Connolly, had a 40% win expectancy to win that game based on the final box score. Mm-hmm. So his mood was almost in a, we should have won this football game. And he kind of even made that comment a couple even, times. You mean even after the fact? Yes. Like, so Of course, you go into the Kansas State game, oh, you should win because they're the better team. But once the game is actually being played and you start to see kind of like momentum shifts here and there and like matchups that are favorable for Kansas State, OU should still win despite the fact that they pissed around for like the end of the third quarter into the fourth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I see what you're saying. Yeah, so if you look at, you know, Steven Plasanis, guy who works for me, does all the analytics for us, does an incredible job, by the way. Um, You know, if you go on there, Oklahoma is, since Lincoln Riley has been here in 2015, Oklahoma has played worse based on the final box score and advanced stats and all that thing. Oklahoma has played worse 15 other times than they did on Saturday. They were 11 and 4 in those games. Oklahoma lost on Saturday and they had they've played worse in 15 other games. Do you have a random example? I can definitely pull up the chart, but and then if you like I said if you go to Bill Connolly and he does all the win expectancies after games are done based on final box scores, Kansas State only had a 40% if that game is played over again, even based on the same stats. Oklahoma only had a, or Kansas State had a forty percent chance to win that game. So, twenty seventeen Iowa State, that game that Oklahoma lost. Yeah, the it, box, final box score should have had Oklahoma losing that game typically by fifteen points. Ooh, twenty seventeen Baylor, winless Baylor. Yeah, Oklahoma won by eight. The final box score had Oklahoma l- losing by ten. So, if you go to twenty eighteen Texas. Uh, that one's obviously Oklahoma was expected. The differential was f- by five. They lost by three. Um, I think the one that's fascinating here is that if you go to 2016 Iowa State, the game that uh, Dimitri Flowers had to play running back because Pete Ryan was hurt and oh, that Mixon, when, Mixon that, ripped up the parking attendance ticket and threw it at, <laughs> threw it at him. Is oh. that when Jeff Mead spun twice? Yes. All right, Jeff Mead breakout game. Um, still, still waiting for the breakout. So in that 2016 game against Iowa State, Oklahoma was actually expected to tie and go into overtime. They won that game by 10. So on Saturday, they were expected to win by seven and lost by three based on the advanced statistics, which is 
kind of whenever you watch the game and then you, you get that Oklahoma kind of gave it away, but the mood that Lincoln was in today, it was back to that point, was then like he understood what those are showing. Like he understands yeah. that, you know, one play here, one play there, and it was, you know, Oklahoma wins the game and they were statistically expected to win. Yeah. So I was close to that being my question today after seeing that from Steven being like, like Lincoln, do you guys look at advanced analytics? Because he was almost in too good of a mood. And I know that people are going to say like, oh God, they lost. Like they need to get back to work this and that. Like, no, the answers he was giving today was more of an indictment on him and the staff. He's saying in terms of the loss, but he was in a mood as if, we can fix this, and we can fix this quickly. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like, that's all well and good if you have the confidence that you can, A, fix it, and then, B, you go out there and actually fix it. Now, the last, you know, ever since Lincoln Riley has been here at OU, they lose one game, and they're able to probably look at that loss, identify the weaknesses that had been built up to that point that got exposed even more to the point where they lost the game, and then fixed it, and then, you know, partly to blame that the Big 12 is not so strong. Mm-hmm. OU is always going to be the more talented team outside of maybe Texas when on their schedule. They're able to navigate the rest of their schedule and win all their games. So yes, you can have that confidence, but at the same time, like there are just a plethora of problems across the board. And we, we kind of talked about it being question marks in the offseason, Keegan, about there are a lot of questions across the board. Who's going to be the leader on defense? Who's going to be the playmaker on defense? What's the D-line going to look like? Who's going to be the guy at wide receiver if Jaden Hazelwood is gone? Um, what's Spencer Rattler going to be like as a redshirt freshman not having played in a year and a half, making his first start as QB1 at OU? And to me, like, the worry is those are a lot of problems. Those are a lot of questions. And, yeah, if you just look at Kansas State, you can find some analytics that make you sleep better at night um, if you're an OU fan. I think overall, like, I'm not as... I'm not as worried or I'm not as concerned as I was Saturday evening. At the same time, Iowa State presents a lot of the same problems that Kansas State presents in that they are they're not as well coached as Kansas State, but that's how they beat you. They beat you because they try to do all their little jobs right. They're a bunch of tryhards like Kansas State, and if OU isn't able to pull away, like they'll have another opportunity to prove that they're beyond that, that they can take a little punch here and there in the middle of the game and get back on track because, yes, against Kansas State, simply if you just take away one of those turnovers, maybe even the Seth McGowan fumble, like I said earlier, where OU just goes three and out and they punt, OU probably wins by the skin of their teeth in a a half-acidly way, and we're all still kind of worried. Probably more mad if they win like that than the way they lost. Yeah, yeah. I would be if I was an Oklahoma fan. I mean, I would be too, but... I, I don't know. I don't believe in moral victories when you lose. I do believe in like a moral loss, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if OU would have won by four, if they were, had just been up and if they had just scored an extra touchdown and they been and they won by four, um, you get the win, so you're happy that you're you know undefeated still. All your goals are still in place, but then you get to chew your your team's ass out for mm-hmm. an entire week on what the hell was that. Yeah, the conversation about Oklahoma goes from you guys lose this game every year to you guys always find a way to win games like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a difference of perspective for sure. I'm at a uh, I'm at a place that I'm not telling anybody what to do, but I've watched a quarter and a half of Iowa State, and I know that second half was a lot better. Oklahoma's only a seven point favorite in names. I'd feel pretty confident about taking Oklahoma on that line. Well, Saturday. yeah, like we know what's going to happen. Either OU is going to kick the living shit out of Iowa State or he's going to be in a dogfight and it's going to be a toss-up the only reason why it's going to be a toss-up is do they turn the ball over enough to the point where no matter what they do they just can't overcome it or maybe they take care of the ball they're just in a tight ball game because their defense can't get a stop and OU's talent just outlasts because they're able to play clean offensive football so I mean we've seen this movie before Keegan and I will say like you know, that was the thing about Bob's teams that, you know, I give Bob's teams a lot of crap on this podcast, but the one thing that I had some confidence in with Bob is that he was always able to right the ship in season for the most part. And his teams got better usually from game to game to game to the end of the year besides 2011, yeah. right? Yeah. 2011, 2014? Yeah. That's about it. And I, I, Lincoln 
a handful of times on the presser today brought up 2016 and I'm I'm frankly I'm kind of shocked that we're already bringing up 2016 you know that that team started one and two and they lost to you know albeit a Houston team that was really good yeah but did, a, hey, a did you watch te- that Monday night football game last night yeah parts of it did you uh, notice the DN that was making all the plays from the Ravens Oh yeah, Tyus Bowser. Yeah, Ty Bowser. Yeah, he's the one who killed Oklahoma in that game. I mean, everybody killed OU that game. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Austin. Oh, <laughs> I, st- I was back far away from that one. Uh, you ready for theory time? You brought up something that I, I think it's a good time to bring up. My oh, theory. Yes. Well, I like so theories. you said Kansas State, the way they play defense, that Oklahoma, you know, it presented some problems for them, right? Well, the way Kansas State played coverage is the same way Iowa State plays coverage. And you know how hard of a time Lincoln Riley is able to find the home run ball against Iowa State? Yeah. And I hate to say this because I, I don't think he would do this for an entire game. They didn't attack at all, which makes me think that they were saving stuff vertically for Iowa State. Well, okay, look, let, let, let's save like all the schematic things for Iowa State for Thursday, A. But B, like we can still kind of touch on it with this. Who was the wide receiver on this team? Like, Marvin Mims, Mims seems to be a home run threat and a consistent guy. He had two touchdowns on Saturday. Really good. Uh, really smart, savvy receiver for his age. Uh, but he's physically not that guy just yet. Sure. He can he can win some matchups, but he's just physically not that guy, um, especially when you're going, going up against a kind of a stingy defense in Iowa State, maybe. Uh, Stogner is awesome. You can only do so much because... He he's a matchup problem. He's not a a freak of nature. He's gigantic and tall and can catch, but he's not going to be burning anybody. Theo Weiss, I don't think gets enough opportunity for whatever reason. Charleston Rambo should be that home run threat, but I mean we've we've talked enough about Rambo already. Eddie uh, yesterday was just full on like if Jaden Hazel Jaden Hazel was the best receiver on this team. Sure. So so my question to you is like how much of that was saving for the rest of the season or just whatever guy it ends up being just hasn't been fully realized yet well they just didn't run a lot of stuff I mean I showed the one play where Rambo was open on a seam route down the middle of the field but they just didn't run a lot I mean credit I don't have the all 22 so you only get really what you see in the box yeah um so you I can't say 100% certainty that they weren't running stuff deep but it's like they weren't. I mean, the, all the throw. I mean, you look at that drive before the first half was over for Oklahoma on Saturday. It was all just underneath dink and dunk. You know, a lot of that. And again, that's what people wanted to see from Spencer that he was able to do that. Um, but he also has the, uh, as Joel Klatt said on the broadcast, that there is only one other quarterback that he has seen at this age that has an arm like that, and it was Patrick Lavon Mahomes the third. And oh no, he said that on the broadcast. He said it all week. Like yeah. he said it on Colin's show, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds so cool. I hope it's true, for sure." So uh, I want to go back and watch some Mahomes from his freshman year. I don't remember him as much until his last year. But to to your point about the wide receivers, Tredron Bridges is back in a couple weeks. I think he could bring a lot to the table. Um, uh, whose spot is he taking, Drake's? I don't know. He's on the depth chart. I think he's on the depth chart at Z. Okay. Um, but as we've seen, that doesn't really matter because Drake Stoops lined up as a Y. I guess that is where he's located. But uh, no, to your point. Yeah, they haven't run a ton of stuff for Theo. I mean, he's. if you remember what the C.D. Lamb role in 2017 with Marquise Brown is C.D. Lamb didn't get a ton of stuff downfield. He was just a big-time possession receiver, security blanket for Baker, mm-hmm. um, underneath stuff, stuff in zone coverage, all these things. So Drake Stoops obviously has played well. Obiobiolo wasn't out, was out, so he didn't get to play. Uh, was he even on the field? He was in the he was in the stands behind. So what they're doing with their injured players is that they can't be on the sideline, so they can have room. So they all sit in the stands right behind. Okay, that's kind of smart since there's no fans. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, I. I think that Rambo, again, he did have a touchdown opportunity. He didn't get the football. He was really good separating last year downfield, and he didn't get the football then. Um, Why are you smiling? Because <laughs> I, I can't because I, I can. Uh, but 
We should have started a Patreon page last year. Oh, <laughs> oh! If they, if you, if people got to see what the DMs were like last year, so many f words, man. Uh, let's just someone. I think at someone, some at one point, someone asked me if what I, what Jalen Hurts did to me, uh, where did he hurt me at? But it was very obvious and clear what my direction was at. Uh, but no, to your point again, I don't know who that wide receiver is, but also to Oklahoma's perspective and what Lincoln's shown so far is that they've been with two H-backs on the field a lot. Yeah. A lot. I don't know if that's a lack of receiver problem. I don't know if that's him. He has more trust in those H-backs to make plays. I don't know what it is. But that also alleviates from your potential to attack vertically. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, you can have too many guys out there, and it can be a good thing. It can also take some things away, unfortunately. They probably should have put more H-backs as inline tight end Saturday to help in pass protection. Did Braden Wills come back when he got his ass knocked out? I don't know. That's a good point. uh, That was a really good hit. Yeah, it was his knee or hip, right? Yeah. That was a really good hit, and he looked like he wanted nothing to do with football. And I, I, I don't blame him. I'm not trying to dog on him because I like Braden Willis. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what his deal was. I don't know if he's playing this week. I just there's already some rumors out there. Just gonna say that. I, it wouldn't shock me. No, I don't. And I don't. I, I have not heard that. I'm just saying I have been told from someone that would potentially know that that may be the case. Okay. Well, and and I hate to say say this next thing because we kind of just said it before. Um, in terms of if you can have you you can have a ton of guys that can catch the football and that are talented, but it could take away your verticality because you're dinking and dunking all over the place. But if that would be the case, then I mean I hate I hate saying this that Braden Willis is hurt. That means it can pot- potentially open up the vertical routes because there's just one less H back that can catch the ball and can do stuff for you offensively. Or the second best H back on the team gets to play. Yeah. Mikey Henderson's going to be a freak show. That'll be fun. He's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, But I don't know. I don't know who that receiver's going to be. I don't understand why Marvin Mims isn't on the field 100% of the time yet. I mean, he was – his understanding of space with his speed in coverage and His first touchdown was a – like, I talked about Spencer's vet throw to Theo Howard. That first touchdown catch was a vet – wide receiver sure. making a play sure like his his quarterback was running around he 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 stayed in bounds and he got to the one open spot yeah and like even to that point like all they did was run a little scene like he like did a little in and up route and then when he saw spencer evade the pocket he just kept running along the back end of that end zone very remember cd lamb's first touchdown against utep yes same same situation you know you see guys that make those kinds of plays mm-hmm it tells you that they are different. They are very different receivers. Man, he had three I, He had three touchdowns, right? Th- was it two or three? I, I think I noticed. Marvin Mims on yeah. Saturday? He had two. He had two? Yeah. He had oh, the, Jeremiah Hall caught one. Yeah, Jeremiah Hall caught the last touchdown. Who had scored. the other one? There was four touchdown passes. Drake Stoops. Drake Stoops. Well, I see. I, I've been waiting for a little pause before we talk about another unit because I feel like I, I do need to give Drake Stoops props. He's uh, good. Uh, he was good on Saturday, and he, hey, wait, he was he was average, and I want to pardon that. He did not block well. That was going to be the thing I was going to say. Like that's why I'm like he was good on Saturday because he caught a frozen rope of a throw. Usually, I don't like when a quarterback throws across his body into coverage, mm-hmm. uh, but man, that ball never left camera the camera angle because it was just a dart, and it was to the one spot where his undersized receiver could catch the ball and Drake caught a contested ball so he showed me on Saturday that when when he gets opportunities in terms of showing off his ability to catch he's got hands and then he even showed his ability to he's got a little scoot in him so look I, I've plenty of people like I said on Saturday on the post game pod uh, plenty of people let me know about it that Drake Stoops made a play I was watching just like everybody else <laughs> um I, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, this is me eating crow. Drake Stoops had a, a great game. He showed me a lot. And like I said, when his number is called, I have confidence that he will make a play. But I was just also going to say what you mentioned. His undersizedness really showed in a lot of the downfield blocking. A mainstay for OU receivers back in the early, all the way back to the early Stoops era is just the wide receiver's ability to block downfield. And we did not see that at all on Saturday. 
it wasn't even his size. He just didn't block anybody. He just like got up to the guy and the guy just would like just run around him. And it made no sense. I I I actually dinked him on my grades from a B to I believe a C or a C plus for that reason. Trying to get clicks, man. Yeah. Read why Drake Stoops gets a C. (laughs) Even though he had a touchdown catch. Yeah. So they, you know, they're in an interesting position. Uh, at wide receiver until Trejan Bridges gets back. I do think he's got a chance to be really good. Like, like I don't know what kind of receiver he truly is. Me neither. That's, like, my big question. Yeah, I don't I don't know where he – because Oklahoma really under Lincoln, I guess the only thing that's close – I because he's not Marquise Brown, that's he, for sure. Is he Sterling? Is he Didi? I, I, like, the kind – I'm not talking about Didi's top-end speed and all these things – but I'm just talking about the little things that D.D. Westbrook did well in, it, ter- in it, terms of yak and all those things. If Trajan Bridges just walked onto the field um, on Saturday against Iowa State, does he basically take the Charleston Rambo screen role? Like, does he, does he take that away from him? Because I, like, I feel like Bridges, in his opportunities last year, showed me that he's incredibly athletically gifted. Oh, he's so athletic. He could, he could probably oh, yeah. move with the football better than Charleston Rambo. I, I like... I struggled. He was the one guy I struggled with a comp on out of high school. Like, obviously, and I'm going to say it every week and, until people finally get it, Marvin Mims is Tyler Lockett. I like that. He had three touchdowns on Saturday against Dallas. Sorry, God. Cowboys fans. He's Yeah, he's going to be really good. But with Trejan, well, I don't know. Here's your comp. Trejan Bridges is uh, Andre Wolfolk because he's played offense and defense now. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't stick. Didn't Wolfolk stick on defense? Yeah, he ended up sticking on defense. Yeah. He, he played receiver 2000, 2001, and then was just full-on defensive back 0-2, and then he got drafted first round. You ready for this? Guess what story I was working on? What are we doing? I was working on a Creed Humphrey leadership story. Yeah, you might want to put that on the Patreon page then. Not, don't make that public. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not writing that story right now. Not anymore. Look, uh, this might... I thought that was a good segue. I Yeah, like before we set up the that little segment... I'll say this because I've probably said it a, hand, a handful of times on this podcast, so apologies if I repeat myself, but it's a podcast about one team. <laughs> I'm looking at your text. There you go. I a, did. It was just the All-Star game. You you called me like an hour ago and said, hey, can we record this podcast before I want to go watch the Cardinals game tonight, and you're wearing a damn Royals t-shirt. It was because it's the Royal. They hosted the All-Star game. My uncle went. This isn't like a Roy, Kansas City Royals fan shirt. It's just Are the, the Cardinals game. and the Royals in the same... No, they're they're in different. So Cardinals in the NL, Royals in the AL, but okay. they play each other every year, which is why I give who will listen to this Bobby Rose a bunch of shit because the Royals suck. There you go. Okay, um, I'm not. I'm an OU fan. I'm not going to wear an Arkansas T-shirt. You won't catch me dead in an A and M T-shirt. I mean, this isn't a Royals shirt. Though. It, it's, it's it has the Royals logo on it. They hosted the war, the All Star game. If it said All Star game on it, that's oh, fine. All right. If it said All Star game Kansas City, I wouldn't. I there would be no problem there. All right, all right, all right, all right. Anyway, anyway, um, okay. So back to the offensive line and Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey makes OU better. He is a great player. He is going to be drafted into the NFL top two rounds, probably. Um, I think. You can have your opinion. Well, as of right now, after yes. what he did at the end of the year last year and right now? He will test well, just like we thought Kenneth Murray was going to get drafted first two rounds before Alex Grinch because he was going to test well. He he looks like a great I didn't, guy. Th- I didn't think so, but yeah, to it, your point. So, yes. your, so, yeah, Creed Humphrey makes OU better. I'm glad he's on this team, so don't mistake what I'm about to say. But if your best returning lineman is a center, I don't know how that really... I don't know how that really af- positively affects your offensive line because Creed Humphrey was the best guy coming back last year. It was a bunch of new guys. Adrian Neely is going to get his first opportunity. Marquise Hayes. All these guys. Stacey Wilkins. And they ended up being good enough. Not Bill Beanbow good, but they ended up being good enough. And Jalen Hurts probably masked a lot of the problems because he took off on a handful of plays that should have been sacks. Um, and now going into year two with Creed Humphrey being the best guy on the offensive line uh, two games in, we have seen problems on the offensive line still, and they'll probably get better. And I guess at worst, they will hit their ceiling at good enough, just like they did last year. 
I would prefer, like in an ideal situation, I would prefer that your best lineman returning is is a tackle because, especially in Lincoln Riley's offense, it just it rounds out the pass blocking to at the very least, and then you're able to find some guys on the interior, find your dogs in the interior, and then the center. I mean, oh, you had Eric Wren at center, a walk on who ended up being a phenomenal player and got a cup of coffee, got a cup of coffee in the NFL. What I'm saying is. It's probably easier to find a center than it is to find a left tackle, a right tackle in the Big 12. And Bill Bimbo's offensive line is like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt once again. I I think I'm on to something in that if Creed Humphrey, if your center is your best guy coming back, that's probably not a good thing. It can be. uh, Within, I will say, within Oklahoma's scheme. Now, they're not running this play, the guard tackle counter, well this year again which is concerning, but to your point, yes. Now, with the way Oklahoma's running scheme is, having Creed Humphrey is typically okay. Eric Wren did an incredible job, super athletic. Creed in 2018 was un-effing believable. Creed Humphrey is good. He, no. is, he is good. But like, no, he, to your, but, but he hasn't been, though. Like He was not good Saturday, and he wasn't good at the end of the year last year. He lifted the guy that deflected the pass. Like, watch... Watch the film. Yeah. He lifted the guy up, and it helped him deflect for sure. Rattler's pass. Now, Marquis says should have helped him, and I've, I've pointed that out. But yeah. he has, like, I'm not ready to have a conversation about Creed Humphrey not being a second-round pick, first-round pick yet. But he continues to put on tape like he did Saturday. And I'm, I know he cramped up. But even before he cramped up, after he cramped up, he was at problems getting beat. And, like, even on a couple runs that should have been able to pop, like, he was getting beat. He was getting pushed back. And Kansas State's off defensive front's not that good. I mean, White Hubert was really good. Like, I, I made the joke, I think, with you Sunday night, like, White Hubert's going to be the next great defensive end for the New England Patriots. Like, that's just going to – I know they have or, Chase – Or slot receiver, but Tom Brady's not there anymore. <laughs> but – my yeah, you know, it's just before the season coming in, the question marks were at tackle. Now I'm really worried about this interior offensive line. Like Marquise yeah. Hayes, like we have to, we need to have a conversation about what what the hell has happened to okay, Marquise well, Hayes. Well, let's get into the the theory segment. Um, I posed the question to Keegan earlier on before we got on that if you could choose one unit across the board to just make a drastic improvement. That unit would then kind of lead to OU just having their similar success that they've had year in and year out. You know, they win the rest of their games, win the Big 12. What is the most dire unit to make that improvement? And you say the offensive line. I will, I guess I'll try and save mine for Thursday because we're running out of time. But let's just get into why you think it's the offensive line. It's, it's fairly obvious after Saturday, but just kind of more thoughts. on. I want to point this out first. Uh, you mentioned you want your best guy coming back to be your cent- not be your center. Adrian Ely on Saturday got beat one time by Wyatt Hubert. Yeah, it was a, just a pure speed rush. Yeah, but he, I mean, dominated Saturday. He beat B- Hubert more than he didn't. He beat Kansas State's front more than he didn't. Adrian Ely played like a second-round pick on Saturday. Yeah, Adrian Ely has made a jump. And yeah, I, I could sure. tell uh, he's a guy that I can depend on. He's not going to get dumb penalties. Um, he's going to, for the most part, win his fair share of battles. The, the shame is he's a right tackle, not a left tackle. Sure. But Cody Ford also was a right tackle uh, the year he got drafted. Mm. Um, so it, it can work kind of both ways in that regard. But we got to have a conversation about Tyrese Robinson and Marquise Hayes. They were not, not Marquise Hayes because it's been so bad the first two first two games. Robinson was iffy at the end of the year last year. I mean, you've got Andrew Rame waiting in the wings, and he looked good on the first drive he came in. You've got Aaron Parks, and you've got Chris Murray for next year. Or if the NCAA comes back with a waiver for Chris Murray and he plays, he starts immediately, by the way. He's Oklahoma's best offensive lineman. Like, Without a doubt, hands down, he is – he may be – I know I say Anton Harrison will be the highest drafted guy, but as of right now, like Chris Murray – He's fully realized. Yeah. Chris Murray is probably one of the better offensive linemen that Oklahoma's had in a minute. Like, yeah, it's, it's a damn shame that the paperwork for Chris Murray at the NCAA office is probably just buried under like 
you know, like an inflatable. A bunch of other uh, basketball transfer waivers that are getting approved. Oh, those are so important, man. It's unbelievable. But, I mean, they there is a real-life serious problem. And I know there's video right now on Twitter that's kind of dis- dis- discrediting that. I'm telling you, whenever your offensive line's not getting a push, and we had this is I know this is apples and oranges. We had some of these problems whenever I was in high school at Cash in High School, one of the best football programs in the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> no, it really is, and the, one of the best offensive line coaches in high school in the state of Oklahoma, and Coach Robertson. First time I ever got something in print was for the Guthrie Newsleader, and it was a preseason preview of among other schools, but Cashin. Sure, so, sure. Shout out Cashin High School. So when you go back in that coaching staff out there, if you if anybody ever has a chance to go watch a game. Uh, unbelievable they're you know I'm obviously biased but they're unbelievable I learned I wouldn't know anything about football if it wasn't for them um so my point is is that if the offensive line's not getting a push up front and this is specifically more on the interior than anything the running backs are having to take more angles towards the sideline more angles that are more diagonal Kansas State was coming straight downhill yeah and and the you're you're hoping your running back can make a play on a guy coming downhill straight while he's running at an angle. Like that's not conducive to success. Like you're not setting your running back up for success. Does Oklahoma have a Joe Mixon? No, that video I posted was very eerie. It was, I like how Seth McGowan cuts. Yes. Now, and with a kind of an inconsistent offensive line, you need ty- a type of running back like him mm-hmm. to thrive. Like I don't know if Ramondre Stevenson has a breakout game in these first two games because there hasn't been gigantic holes for him to just burst through. <laughs> he may he may just bulldoze people when he gets back though. That is true. God, that guy is going to be so good. Cannot um, wait. They they are waiting on him to get back. From what I understand, they're waiting on everybody to get back. No, like they think he's got a chance to be special. Like he didn't lose a single step. From what I understand, it's very exciting. Well, he has added ten pounds from what he was two thirty-five last year. He's like at two forty, and he didn't lose a single step. So, back to the offensive line. They, we have to. Ha- there has to be a real life conversation about Andrew Rain playing at one of the guard spots. And I don't think it's Marquise Hayes. Marquise Hayes at the end of the year last year was playing like a second round pick. Yeah, I was super excited for him going into this year. And then he has. I don't know what's happened. Conditioning? I don't – but he – so, like I said in the post game, like, these guys put on a bunch of weight after the after the fall season. They, and then they all lost that weight before this before the this fall season. So, from fall to spring, they had put on 10-plus pounds. Everybody – up, then they lost 10-plus pounds heading into this fall. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but he is not the guy he was a year ago. Well, okay well, – Let's just say the offensive line is able to make the improvement because you f- you feel like that they're the most crucial unit on OU's team. Is it simply because you need Spencer Rattler to be protected and for him to have the confidence to read the field? Or is it because the running game needs to get growing first and that will lead to Spencer Rattler having an easier time? The running – the here's the thing. Oakley, the pass has set up the run, believe it or not, in Lincoln-Riley's yes, system. Yes, I agree. Um because safeties have to play a lot further back. They they can't have guys running downhill as much. But if the running game can't run at all and teams can just do what Kansas State did and basically have a guy outside the box be committed to the run game, that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's a serious problem because you can't account for him. So, so for example, and you'll get what I'm saying and the listeners will too, like if you say you have a guard – the guard tackle counter, or if it's just a guard wrapping around the center for a power. Whenever he's going before the play starts and he goes and they're discussing who's going to block who, right? Like they're accounting for the linebacker in the middle of the field, right? Well, the problem is, is this week you'll see it with Iowa state. Like they, you don't account for the safety because and you, that's the guy Oklahoma needed to block against Kansas state. And they didn't because he wasn't in the box. So, to the point, like, they, Oklahoma, in general, if you just even get a push, you give the running back more, the space between the safety and the running back for the safety to make a play is wider. The running back has more room to make a guy miss. That's been, I think, the, been the biggest problem. I know the running backs need to make plays, 
They need to make guys miss more. But they don't have a ton of room to do that. And you don't have a Joe Mixon yet that can do that. Like, Rodney Anderson was running by people. Seth McGowan will do that at some point. Or he will just run by a guy. I cannot wait for him with a year of college conditioning and weight lifting under his belt. Dude, he was so good on Saturday. It's it's such a shame, that fumble. Yeah, he was so good that I pointed out a play on the Patreon that both Creed Humphrey and Marquise Hayes got beat, and there were two defensive linemen in the backfield, and he just ran right through them for a 10-yard for a ten yard game. <laughs> like, he is going to be unbelievable yep. when it's all said and done. So, no, like you said, why that is? Because if you can't run it, you have more guys that aren't in the box that can commit to the run game if you're an opponent. And if that happens, then you have your running game's non-existent. Because you can't account for them. It, yeah. it, by, by what I said at the beginning, that as an offensive lineman, you're not accounting for guys that aren't in the box to whenever you're pulling. So it's, it's created a problem. Um, this week specifically, though, Bill Beanbell, is, I've asked him this question, believe it or not, and he answered it, which I love the fact that he did, that for Iowa State, it is a little bit different. Oklahoma does account for the safeties, that there's, those are the guys that need to block. We'll get into the Iowa State game here you know, on the next on Thursday. But if they do anything like they did against TCU, Oklahoma's going to be able to run the football because they're just going to run a bunch of zone like they did a year ago. People forget Oklahoma for the first time in three years last year just torched Iowa State on the running game last year. In 2017 and 18, they tried to run a bunch of counter. Oklahoma tried to run a bunch of counter stuff, and it didn't work because they were getting cut down. These safeties were flying upfield making plays. And last year they just said, screw it, we're just going to run zone the whole time. And Kennedy Brooks just torched them. Yeah. Um. So, they should have some success this week. They should – Oklahoma should offensively be able to put up points. There were receivers for TCU running wide open. So Yeah, I, I, the problem is, is I don't know what TCU is at this point. Um, Iowa State has – they looked laugh out loud bad at times against TCU, and they obviously lose to Louisiana, who criminally is not ranked anymore despite the fact being that they're 3-0 and because we got to make room for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 who haven't played yet and won't play for another month. Stupid. Things are stupid. For sure. I don't I don't think the Pac twelve is gonna be included in this deal, but unless they just unless Oregon comes out and just beats the absolute dog crap out of everybody, they won't be no there won't be a Pac twelve team included. But um yeah, I mean if the offensive line can get going, it changes the entire aspect of what this offense is gonna be. And Spencer as well. Spencer's gotta be there are pockets to step up into and he did it at times Saturday. He's gotta do it more. Um, but I said it post game with you that 90%, it's funny how it came out today. 90% of what Spencer Rattler did on Saturday was really, really good. The 10% was really, really bad. And Lincoln reiterated that today. Uh, you know, so I think, you know, you talk about his development, you know, this is gonna be a huge week. This is a defense that has given Kyler and Baker trouble. It gave Kyler and Baker a lot of trouble. I mean, Jalen Hurts got lucky. He didn't throw three picks against Iowa State last year. That first touchdown probably should have been picked. Exactly. CD just made a catch. Yeah, yeah. Would it be would it be nice for Spencer if there was a CD Lamb on this team right now? Yeah. Yeah. So they uh, offensively they got stuff to fix. Defensively we haven't talked about them, and honestly we don't we don't really need to because from you saw and from what we heard today from Lincoln, the issues they had are very correctable, very fixable within a week. The problems offensively along the offensive line. I don't know if that's a week they can fix that in a week. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll say that for Thursday because I'll get into my like my unit that I want to see make vast improvements because if this particular unit, it's on defense, does, then I think OU can mask a lot of their weaknesses huh. moving forward. So we can say that for Thursday as well before we get into Iowa State full on. But, um, yeah, anything else? Anything else you wanted to plug? Or Sooners Wire, anything else? Nothing to plug. More that, you know, we are going to dive, start really diving into some film stuff on the website as well. So stuff that some of y'all have seen already, stuff that you haven't. Um, you know, I'm going to point out the Kansas State thing with the safeties coming into the box and making plays um, because that's very important this week. I'm sure you and I will watch, maybe watch the game together Saturday and I may work out that mm-hmm. way probably a lot better for you know, even live TV, maybe maybe over at my uh, over at the house. Yeah, we uh, you can watch it live with not being on a thirty second delay. So, 
it's uh I know what your group is and I just want to, I don't I want to say that was very disappointing on Saturday. Very disappointing because your safeties and your linebackers shouldn't be the ones making all those kinds of plays. Fair enough. That's where we'll end it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Um, once we get further along into the Patreon thing, we'll stop peddling it on these podcasts and wasting your time because people are going to make their make their minds up one way or another if they want to subscribe or not. But um, it hasn't even been up for a week yet. We've got a strong little following so far. But yeah, like I said, once we get further along, we'll stop mentioning it as much he will. on the podcast in terms of like prom- promoting it. But yeah. Uh, please give the Patreon page. Um, uh, consider subscribing to it. Four bucks gets you the post game show. Five bucks gets you post game show and Keegan's film breakdown that we pretty much uh, talked about at length in this podcast. So uh, highly recommend it. And I might start. I'm actually working on something right now. Um, I might write some. You know, I'll probably put that on the four dollar tier just because I've never really been able to write about OU football and um, I like to write. So we might do that. We'll do some other things with it as well. But yeah, continue listening to the Inside OU podcast. As like I said, like Keegan knows, the weekly shows will be free still, no matter what. So don't worry. You can still get your Inside OU fix that way. Um, if you haven't already, please give the Media Corner episode a listen. Did that with Eddie Radosvich yesterday. Put it out earlier today. Just didn't want it. I just didn't want there to be an hour and 30 minute long podcast for everybody to listen to. Especially when everybody's probably done about hearing about Kansas State. But um had a good conversation with eddie it's out there available for you all to listen to and other than that uh, keegan and i will talk to you again on thursday thank you everybody